This is Fundraising Radio, and today as a guest speaker, we have Amit Pradhan, founder and president of Silicon Valley Blockchain Society. And in this episode, we're going to talk about a bit later stages of fundraising. So what happens on uh, Series A rounds, Series B rounds, etc. So Amit, let's get started by you giving us some background on yourself and on Silicon Valley Blockchain Society. Sure. Thank you for having me. So I've been in the... Um industry for quite a while now uh, in Silicon Valley for over 20 years, a lot of deep tech background, um, started an AI lab about 16 years ago, which is now producing some very interesting privacy focused um, AI. And um, a lot of my work started focusing on the idea of responsible AI. And so, you know, one of the core tenets of that is around privacy. The other is around the idea of uh, decentralizing, you know, a hyper-centralized data model, which, you know, AI has really supercharged. And so the work around decentralization began about five years ago from a technical perspective. And obviously at the time I was also looking at, you know, everything that was happening in the decentralized space around currencies, around tokenization models, obviously around the technology itself. and we noted a couple of interesting traits. You know, there was there was a lot of excitement, there was a lot of volatility, there was a lot of shoot from the hip, wild west behavior. We all saw this through different <laughs> times. And while there were a lot of creative, wonderful people trying to push this industry and agenda forward, we felt that in many ways, you know, after one funding mechanism after the other, you know, you can think of every three letter acronym, you know, starting with I. Uh, that was being used in this space, we felt that in many ways it was harming the space while some projects were being funded. You know, most were, you know, collecting crazy amounts of money, nowhere close to what you would need for a for a startup. Mm-hmm. And there was incredible indiscipline. And and we we saw the benefit of the technology and the, the economic models that were arising from that. You know, I'm a big believer in the underlying ph- philosophy around decentralization. And that drove us, and we had been in the in the investment side. You know, I'd been investing as a VC, and um, I was chatting with with David, who's my partner in SVBS, who used to be chairman of the um, San Francisco Pension Fund. And obviously, you know, large LP relationships and a few other people in the network. And he started, uh, you know, bringing together a few people on the investor side together to talk about this space and. Fast forward two years, you know, SVBS has become a network of global investors cross-stage, both cross-stage capital as well as cross-stage expertise um, to help bring bring about a long-term sustainable capital revolution in, in the space. And so we look at the intersection of IoT, AI, and um and blockchain in general, you know, we're not a cryptocurrency organization. We don't focus on the trading or any of that stuff. Um, and it's really about how do we bring um, cross-stage capital to companies and help them grow, not just, oh, once you've achieved a seed round or series A, you're set, you know, that's just the start of the journey and start of the pain. Um, how do we go on these seven, 10 year journeys and what what is required during each phase and we decided to do it in a decentralized manner. And that gave birth to the unique model that is Silicon Valley Blockchain Society. And we, we stayed with the name because there is brand recognition, but 
you know, it would be more like a Silicon Valley investment society, cross-stage investment society, mm -hmm. if you were to, you know, name it accurately. <laughs> I actually, as a not not the biggest fan of blockchain, I would love that name more than Silicon mm -hmm. Valley Blockchain Society, but it's not up to me. So uh, I actually wanted to follow up on what you just said. You mentioned that your partner was in charge or is in charge of uh, Silicon Valley uh, pension fund, right? The San Francisco. San Francisco. Fund, I'm yeah. sorry. It's just like San Francisco, Silicon Valley for me is the same thing, basically. So he, he's in charge of San Francisco uh, pension fund. He, he was. He, he was. was. Yes. All right. He and was chairperson of the, of the fund. Yeah. Uh -huh. Got it. So could he, how, how was he participating in this Silicon Valley blockchain society? Don't pension funds, can pension funds invest in something like that? Or is it just too much of a risk for them? It, exactly. So, so he was, this is in his past life, you know, so obviously comes with a lot of these relationships. Uh, we brought on the ex chief Inf uh, investment officer of the LA pension fund, which is called Lacera. It's about a $50 billion fund. Oh, God. Um, and you know, that was again in his past life, tremendous relationships, tremendous experience. Uh, and he is now our chief investment officer at SVBS. Um, so part of the the and by the way that's a, that's an excellent question part of the strategy was not that a pension fund is going to come and deploy capital into anything blockchain or uh, quite candidly anything ai or iot right now right um but when you look at the longer term journeys of companies you're not going to become category leaders uh, without you know absolute exceptions without a journey of capital where at some point you're going to have a DST like round in Facebook, right? Before you get to that point. And, and so our belief was this, that you don't get large institutional investors to just sit outside, say, we don't understand this space, say, we don't like this space, get caught up in the, in the, you know, the hype around it, because it is, you know, it's not something that you feel neutral about people either go, we're all in, or people go, you know, we won't have nothing to do with blockchain. And honestly, both those people couldn't be more ignorant and more wrong, right? So <laughs> if you take the position saying blockchain is terrible, you don't know what you're talking about. If you take the position that, you know, we're all in, this is the future and nothing else matters, you don't know what you're talking about, right? Mm -hmm. um, there is, with any technology, th there are a whole bunch of different uh, life cycles before it can become relevant to the point where, you know, it can start impacting either either people's lives um, in the enterprise or uh, as consumers. And our belief was that for the kind of companies that get to the, the critical mass, the inflection points where they're about to be used by, you know, 100 million users going to a billion users, you're going to need thoughtful long-term growth stage capital. And you cannot Absolutely. get that just from the next ICO or the IEO. You put in whatever uh, uh, letter you want in between. And so our approach was you don't get these people to sit outside and then three years down the road or five years down the road come and drop $2 billion. That's not mm -hmm. how it works, right? And so for us, it was you know, we're already a little bit the metaphor of the adults in the room. We've been around for a while. We, we, we see the benefits of, 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 you know, how industry has evolved, the power of centralization, the demerits of centralization. 
the benefits of decentralization, the demerits of decentralization. And so we said, let's bring these large institutional funds on this journey so they can sit and watch and be part of their decision making of whether they start creating allocations into this new asset class or they don't. And none of these large institutional funds are going to invest directly anyways. They're going to come in through investment managers, ergo VCs. And so part of the magic of SVBS is it's both those categories of people who are at the table and they're learning and growing from with each other. And and LPs are able to see, you know, why certain VCs are bullish about about the space of why they're making certain investments and the VCs get to slowly build these relationships with LPs who may or may not deploy any capital right now, but it's not a binary function. It's not a zero sum game. Um, there's, you know, 50 shades of gray and you have to travel them and where we created the container for this to happen. Right. So let me clarify this. So you brought institutional investors with huge funds just uh to see on your board without really uh um dropping any money in the fund whatsoever so you just let them sit there and watch how, how everything's going on is that what you did it's it's different so unlike a traditional fund where they would have to come in like lps and you know mm -hmm. put in capital right, right. it's it's a decentralized network of investors so the investors all uh, work together they get to see the thoughtful long-term deals in the space that that SVBS is able to put together. Um, and and most of it is the, if you think about it, it's the real-time education and exposure. So certain investors might be looking to deploy capital. Um, and if they choose to, they can do that. You know, we're not acting as a uh, as an active fund or an intermediary in their journey. How we deploy capital is entirely up to us. Um, but part of this whole thing is when you bring kind of this thoughtful, long-term, um, you know, 10 year planning approach to a space mm -hmm. that has otherwise been operating on, you know, what can I trade in the next few days? Oh yeah. You start bringing a little bit of maturity to the space and it's been, you know, people have really resonated, you know, you have traditional, uh, traditional funds and traditional actors, you have, you know, some of the more thoughtful uh, decentralized actors, people who have been investing or have, you know, have huge positions right from the beginning. And mm -hmm. we've created community around that so people can have those conversations. It's open, it's transparent. Um, they can learn from each other and they get to see, you know, some of the more thoughtful companies in this space. Um, and so that's how we, we operate the network. It's decentralized, it's global. We have chapters in different, you know, financial capitals. Um, we're in Switzerland. Switzerland has been going really well. And there's just investors around who've started connecting with each other because of, of SVPS. That's just absolutely insane. I love it so much right now because I just love it. I have a financial background and I really feel this approach of 10 year playing, you know, instead of one day trading. I think that's, that's a genius approach. So how's it going so far? Have any of those uh, potential LPs actually jumped in as Maybe they started dropping some of their own money into the some deals or is, is anything happening right now? Yeah, so there, there's been a lot of lot of activity. Um, you know, we've we've um, we've had we, we do these monthly salons 
um, at at each chapter. It's just a way for the community to be able to come, you know, a largely online community. You know, the irony of the time we're in right now, where <laughs> right. you know everyone's like, "Oh my gosh, everything is online," and you know, for, for many of us, that's the world we live in, right? Right. Um, <laughs> and um, it's it's the old normal for us. But uh, what we do is we we do have these physical salons. They're very exclusive in that, you know, it's an invite only network, not to be elitist or anything. It's just that we want to make sure everyone is, um, you know, aligned. Right. We don't we don't want uh, sharks and traders and, you know, people like that. We want people who are thoughtful. And it's not always only investors, you know, about 30, 35 percent of the SVBS network is intentionally experts in the field we have people in the field of impact we have people you know are practitioners in ai and and aspects of iot we've got folks from the healthcare and and wellness space um we have people who have run you know very large public companies we have people who are you know have sold startups we have people in the compliance space we have um you know vertical specialists in areas of you know uh finance and strategy and and um obviously legal uh, there are companies involved we you know we one of the mantras i operate with is that um, disruption is a collaborative sport mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and 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 you know it's it's how I, I i practice all the time you know you if you want to disrupt credit suisse then you should have credit suisse at the table <laughs> if you want to um you know if you want to destroy destruction is a wonderfully individual sport and the thing with destruction is nobody actually wins. And so if you can have everyone at the table, the opportunity for all of the companies, I mean, as much as a startup wants to disrupt, you know, the financial industry, right? Some of their best customers of their disruption are going to be existing players in the financial industry. If they don't see that, and if the financial existing financial industry doesn't see the disruption coming, then everybody loses, right? Mm-hmm. And so, part of our our strategy has been to take people on these journeys, get the entrenched players to see why they need to innovate, why the disruption is actually good for them, and if they if they don't see it and catch it early, why they're going to hurt in the longer term. For startups to start seeing that they need to start making sure that the theoretical of what they're building actually has strong use cases where rubber is meeting the road right now right and so for them to be able to go in and and get these you know prototype projects with run pilots with you know with a large financial institution is is massive and so a big part of the svbs uh value and the vision is making sure that everyone is at the table together in fact that part of SVBS we call the SVBS nation and it's bringing together all of these different actors in the same room in an open transparent way and it's been really effective you know um, it's worked really well for the community Um, we're very selective about the kind of companies startups that we're bringing in and you know that we're obviously a byproduct of you know what happens in the market as well so Mm -hmm. you know in in late 2017 2018 you know there was a lot of angel money being thrown at this right because people had made a lot of these massive deltas in the decentralized space you know in the last three months last two months as you can imagine everything is much quieter people are trying to figure out you know 
what this new world looks like. Is it temporary? Is it going to be the new normal? What does the evolution look like? And, you know, in that context, you know, I've been very involved in taking a little bit of a, you know, 40, 50,000 view of, of, of the industry, of the ecosystem. So thinking a lot about, you know, what does normal even look like for, for creation, for capital and for, you know, execution and all of the, the, the threads that bind those two, um, what does the world of impact mean and what does it look like and how do we weave that into what we're doing in the way that we select companies and the journey that we can take investors on in this space. So it's been, it's been very interesting where our approach, you know, going back to that 10 year approach as well is, you know, we, 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 we try and be thoughtful for the long-term future. So we're often um, just going to ignore the shiny object. You know, and it it's if you if you're going to take that, uh, you know, I, I love taking the the North Star, right? The Polaris approach. Um, you you really have to have strong fundamentals and foundations of the philosophy of why you're doing what you're doing, and along the way, you you need to be able to navigate. But at the same time, if every time you get distracted by the shiny new object or the you know the yelling screaming angry person coming your way then you will always get lost and so we've we've been slow and steady we don't care about oh my gosh can we build something that we can sell in six months <laughs> zero interest in doing that um and it's worked out well you know and time will tell you know that's who, awesome who, who, who can tell just so excited right now i'm trying not to curse because when i'm excited i'm always cursing so i'll try my best but no no promises made here it's so great <laughs> that you're actually mixing this collaboration of institutional money and startups because uh, I myself am so passionate about this. Back in the days, I actually wanted to create something in a uh, leveraged buyout uh, sphere where where I would mix uh, institutional money and startup money. And I mean, of course, it didn't work out. But anyways, I really love what you're doing. Absolutely. It's great, wonderful, smart. We'll definitely talk about that later on after the episode is done. But for now, let's talk a little bit about Silicon Valley Blockchain Society as an investment vehicle. Uh, what do you invest in? How do you invest? Uh, where do the money come from for from for investments, etc.? Sure. Yeah. So there's um, I'll, I'll go in reverse order. Um, there's two parts to to the capital piece. You know where um, we're raising um, an SVBS fund, which we'll do. Um, in 2020, it's you know, part of the strategy of, of having, um, you know, the ex-CIO of these large funds, um, a really, you know, conservative yet thoughtful long-term strategy around how um, we'll have a, a fund that deploys capital directly. The, the most important part of what we do is allowing investors in the network to be able to to deploy capital directly into into companies, you know, we're not acting as a, we're not creating a, a solicitation of 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 capital in that sense. What we're doing is we're just creating the community and letting the community work with each other in in that sense. Um, mm -hmm. And that's a, to us, it's a more powerful way than to operate as you know in the broker dealer realm. And we right. have we have partnerships in that in that space and you know we, we can um, 
do deals like that if if necessary and you know we're a very uh you know the team has been around for a long time so we're very driven by compliance um we think the power of this is less about doing it that way than just creating a wonderful community of thoughtful com uh, companies and investors um you know we take a um, an equity position early once we evaluate companies and I'll come to that because it allows us to then be very objective with our investors that you know we own in the same um asset classes as as they would if they chose to and you know we're not here to make money off of that that's not a function that would be you know a typical you know broker function mm -hmm. we're here to go on the long term journey we want to make these companies succeed because if they do then everybody wins right not just right. just financially but everyone wins as a community um so that ties into well you know who do we think can win you know what are those criteria of, of selecting companies and more importantly you know how do you help that journey right because you know most of the times i often you know i often say if you ask a founder unless they're a very experienced founder you ask a founder what do you need right now right what do you think that answer is 99% of that time that answer is money right <laughs> they they're about to raise around they're raising around they need money and i always say well no the money is something that enables you to buy certain things if you're smart right what you need is you know access to x market um you know to certain strategies help with partners finding the right advisors finding the right team members knowing how to scale knowing when to scale knowing which difficult choices to make which comes back to the kind of people that you have access to the smartest founders surround themselves with the best resources right those resources are a combination of people places access you could even drill it all the way down to infrastructure right and money helps you get to those things which then brings you to the point of well therefore it's the kind of money you get and it's what the intelligence you surround yourself with that will allow you to to succeed even if you have access to the money and throughout your journey if you take you know every overnight success is 10 years in the making right and if you look at that 7 to 10 year journey the needs the expertise the challenges the ability to achieve scale and the the kind of money that can actually help you do that is going to be different you know startup capital is not going to be be helpful to you in a pre ipo company absolutely right yeah and and vice versa and that is why we look at some of the most amazing investors in in the world today i mean certainly silicon valley stands out right as as in right as the largest ecosystem for that but it's not the exclusive ecosystem and you look at that um capability and you know these people are not not great just because they have the largest fund you know to be clear many of the partners and the teams they've assembled at some of the best firms that we know are amazing because of what they're enabling alongside the capital right the capital is merely the transaction and recognizing that that is going to be different at different stages of the of your journey is very very difficult for the average founder to do unless they're the rare you know this is the fourth time i've sold a company and two 
who have taken public, right? Those are those are the real unicorns. And so part of what we did, because we had been on these journeys ourselves, was said the network should have this cross-section of expertise. And that way, when we bring companies into SVBS, we're in for that seven, 10-year journey. And throughout that process, our ability to be able to untap, unlock, and share different expertise in the network with the companies as they traverse that allows us to create one, a better model for companies and founders to inherently, at least in theory, and we you know we're, we have to keep practicing that, you mm-hmm. de-risk your own return, right? right your right. chances of return because you're helping companies actively throughout this journey. Um, and you create a, a better investment community than an individual fund can do, even if the fund is uber big and uber, uber powerful and uber successful. And so you're not competing with anyone. You know, SVBS doesn't compete with anyone. We, you know, it's a big tent, but it's a curated tent, right? Um, <laughs> and we find that the the when investors work with each other, when investors find LPs, when when companies find relationships with with bigger businesses and in turn that gets reflected into the viewfinders of investors, the chances of the of these companies having more success with any of these things, whether partnerships, whether capital, whether, uh, you know, finding the right, uh, you know, new leadership team um, just becomes that little bit easier. Nothing is easy in this world, as you know, especially in the world of startups. Startups <laughs> right. are designed for failure and yet somehow they succeed, <laughs> right? And And so, this is part of you know why we're doing it the way we're doing it and you know we think that you know if if this is successful in the long term then we would have created a much better um, ecosystem Um, if it's not then we would have you know hopefully triggered um, you know other similar models that might end up being successful and you know that's where we're at right now we're about two and a bit years in I'm pretty sure it will be successful because the model, I just love how it sounds. So let's talk a little bit about how one can get into this. Uh, um, okay, I forgot the word. <laughs> Sorry for that. How can one get into Silicon Valley Blockchain Society? So as an as a, not an investor, but as a founder, if you have something in blockchain, how should they approach you? How should they, should they just send a pitch deck to your website or uh, should they reach out to you or someone else on your team? How does this work? Yeah, so for starters, it's not just blockchain, right? So we, we're looking for, you know, uh, companies that are using what is loosely termed as, you know, exponential tech, right, to solve for for significant problems, either mm-hmm. problems that exist and we all know, right? Um, and so you can imagine, you know, take a, you know, current healthcare example, you know, people doing interesting stuff around the responsible tracking tracing of of um covid19 or mm-hmm. in the optimization of the supply chain of uh ppe right uh acquiring um you know whether masks or other uh protective equipment um and then using the blockchain in a clever way or you know obviously using ai to create more predictive models around it um, maybe companies that are using, you know, micro sensors, you know, go into the IoT world and and are able to, you know, pick up data from from disparate sources and then add value to it. 
but all of it to either solve a problem that we're all facing now, right? And we recognize, you know, what COVID-19 has done um, or problems that, you know, exist, but we don't realize it yet. So if someone had thought through this, you know, a year ago and had come up with a with a uh, an interesting model that combines IoT and, you know, the blockchain um, and then AI to contextualize all of that to define where the next pandemic is going to spread, you know, that would have been very interesting. And obviously, I'm just taking this example because it's so topical right now. Um, mm -hmm. And so um, we would be very interested in any of these things. We love it when it's verticalized. So, you know, someone trying to solve a problem for, you know, the logistics industry or someone doing it for health and wellness or someone doing it for retail or someone doing it for, for, for finance and bringing in, you know, DeFi in to solve for some of the inefficiencies that exist today. Very, very exciting. So because it's 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 the network and it's a strong network much of our much of the companies that come into SVBS's viewfinder come in through the network you know we have chapters in different parts of the world and you know we're very global we believe that it's global deal flow for global investors um, because it's those the, the boundaries have become less relevant now right it's it, the days are gone where you can say if i sit in jackson square in San Francisco, then I will see all the best deals in the world, right? <laughs> Those days are gone. It, it, well, it's, wait. you know, you get phenomenal companies around the world. Um, so it's a very um, network driven model. We always get, you know, warm introductions. And this is none of what I'm saying is rocket science, right? You talk to any of the big, cool VCs in Silicon Valley, and they rarely get cold intros, right? Most of the time, it's it's you know it's well worn introductions that come in. It's the warm mm -hmm. reference introductions, um, and so most of the time, that's how it comes in. We evaluate the initial uh, introduction. You know, oftentimes people it's a one para about the company. If we're interested, you know, the various team members, depending on where it came from, will reach back out and say, you know, this is not right for us, um, or um can you send us a deck that we can evaluate we'll evaluate the deck if it's very interesting then what we do is we send out a link to our just to to make it simple let's just call it an intake form but it's actually a really well integrated system with an svbs and it's an 18 month evolution of what is it that we need to analyze and research before we can make that decision of whether we want to get involved in this company and so it's a it's a pretty exhaustive, you know, call it an intake form for simplicity. Uh, but what it allows us to do is our research team is able to do a detailed evaluation and then bring it to us to decide whether this meets all of the requirements. We might have a couple of questions that go back and forth. And um, and then we evaluate the companies carefully. And once we do, then we bring them in. And then, you know, obviously we're, you know, we're sitting and working closely with the founding team. Right, right. So that's typically how it works. That's awesome. I love it. I love the whole thing. And I keep saying that I love it <laughs> because I'm too excited. <laughs> so let's let's move to the last question and we'll wrap it up, unfortunately. So my last question that I like to ask all my speakers is what th first three steps should the founder take to get the, the check from an investor? First three steps. Oh, that's a very good question. I would say the, the step before anything else, right, is, you know, are you trying to solve a problem that you can properly articulate 
that you can justify, right? That exists and people recognize it does, um, or people don't recognize it does yet, but it exists, right? And you're about to blow someone's mind when you articulate it, right? Um, mm -hmm. Two is, are you uh, using, uh, are you solving it using technology that allows for a meaningful, predictable scale, right? Um, or are you just using technology because it it's available? And that that is one of my pet peeves. You know, someone finds we see this a lot in the in the decentralized world, right? Companies that have are using the blockchain and have their own currency, right? And the first thing we we look at it, and and our reaction is why? Like you neither need to be decentralized nor do you need to have your own currency or any currency, right? Like you, you've got this all oh, wrong. Yeah. You just got caught up in the idea of blockchain, right? We, mm -hmm. we absolutely hate that and we will be very candid. Um, and so when we say no to a company or, or you know, that, that this doesn't work for us now, we will, we will never do the whole, oh, you're very interesting. We're going to wait and watch you. We're going to say, look, this doesn't work for us for these reasons. And that doesn't mean that it won't work for us six months from now. But these reasons make it, you know, not, not non-workable for us. And that doesn't mean that you guys are going to fail. It's just not for us, right, based on our theses. So really think through that before you even start to raise money. Um, combined with that zero level is do you really need the money, which goes back to that first thing I was saying earlier in our conversation, which is um, try and be very clear about what that money is going to buy. Mm -hmm. And most of the time, you'll find that if you create the right network around you, you 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 can actually buy those things, and possibly you don't need to buy some of those things, right? That right. you can actually get them through creating the right right mentors. And so, the concept of advisors is really poorly used because people just throw them on a deck or throw them on a site <laughs> just to have it. Yeah. Um, but thoughtful advisors that fit all of the different areas that you can see right now of your company uh, and bringing them in and convincing them that they need to come in and getting them to write a check to come in. That is just phenomenal because if you can do that, then you know that you're really sold to these people as opposed to say, you know, let me put your name on a, on a website. <laughs> If you have those fundamentals in place and it takes a little bit of effort and that's what you should be doing rather than trying to shake down an investor tree by itself, investors see you in a very different light, right? And so now coming to this idea of, you know, what are those three things? Those three things are solving a, 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 a well-crafted, established problem with a meaningful market, not just this is a $10 trillion market based on uh, on nothing, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, and and then having a really thoughtful way of how you're going to go go after it in a phased manner. You know, look when people talk about things like five years of projections, we all know that the actual number has come out of where the sun don't shine. But that's <laughs> not important. What is important is what are the foundations and the assumptions on which you're looking to build this and then how does that correlate with your your actual strategy that you're laying out to the investors so if i'm saying that i'm going to sell you know at at nine dollars 99 cents uh per user right in a in a in a SaaS mm -hmm. model mm -hmm. right and i'm going to sell to 
you know, a million users over the next three years, right? Then your marketing plan or your strategic rollout should tie back into that, right? Those mm -hmm. two things right. can't be in isolation of each other. Yep. Um, and that's where the market size comes in. If the market size is 2 million and your projections are for a billion, then again, you have a dis dissonance, right? And so you want to have this integrated approach to everything. And the best thing I often tell uh, founders is, is, of course, you have the blind spot of your own company, right? Um, I would as well, and I probably do, even <laughs> though, you know, I'm an investor, um, because you're so caught up in what you're doing. And so take a, a similar company or take a, you know, a, a startup at a similar stage and try and figure out why you wouldn't put that last $20,000 that you have in your account, right? Which is going to take you through rent and food for the next, you know, uh, three months. Why would you not put it in this company, even though the founder is saying, you're going to become a billionaire guaranteed, right? And, uh -huh. and when you do that analysis, come back and take that analysis as is and see whether it applies to your company. And you will be surprised at how much self Kool-Aid you were drinking. And now you can sit and, and do a little bit of an, you know, reanalysis. Is my plan really thoughtful enough that an investor is going to, going to engage with me? The final point I'll say, which is, you know, just remember that, um, you know, investors are fellow humans like you. Uh, they may have been on a different journey or they were on a journey slightly earlier. Maybe they sold their, you know, their company because you know, they were on this journey before mm -hmm. you and now they're deploying capital. So um, they're not a mythical beast. They're looking at things from an objective perspective. They have their biases, they have their, their pressures, they have right. their influences at the time. And that doesn't mean that that won't change. So stop operating in a binary world, right? Which is you're in or you're out. I, I say the same thing to investors, you know, sometimes as you you are able to tease more of a conversation out with the founder, you suddenly find that there's a there's a jewel there, there's a diamond there somewhere, and it needs a lot of help and a lot of work. And if you're not willing to do that as an investor, then you know maybe that's not the right profession for you, anyways, right? Mm -hmm. um, we're definitely roll up our sleeves kind of investors, and so the the same thing applies to to founders, you know find ways to get into conversation with investors. If their first response is, no, this is not for me, don't push them to say, no, 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 it is for you. But mm -hmm. instead go back and say, I, I want to unpack and understand more because your feedback and perspective is is phenomenal. And so you're seeing something we're not seeing. And, and most likely, in addition to that, I'm doing a very poor job of being able to explain certain things that we have thought uh -huh. of. And I want to, I, 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 I want you to give me the gift of not your capital, but a little bit of your time to engage me in this conversation, because it will help me tease out things that are either not working or I am not explaining well, which comes to my final point, which is everything is about narrative. You can take the best company and tell it so poorly that it will never be touched. And you can take right. something that is an absolute turd and wrap it in the <laughs> most beautiful, succinct wrapper and get attention, right? And smart investors will be a little little thoughtful to do all of these things. And so that would be my approach. 
um, as I go out to to not just raise capital, but engage with a capital deploying community. That's awesome. All those points are great. The whole episode is great. I'm getting like the more you talk, the more excited I get. But we'll have to wrap it up here. Thank you so much, Amit, for coming up. Thank you for sharing so much interesting information and insights into the field. I absolutely loved it. So well, have I'm a great, have thank a, you very much. And, and thanks for taking time to do this on Sunday morning. I really appreciate that. No problem.